So this is the HR Hub and I'm Andrea Adams and today we're going to talk about retention. We use retention in HR to justify a whole lot of things but how much of it is true? Keep listening to learn about this topic and subscribe to learn about all kinds of things related to HR. You can also find me on YouTube. Today my guest is Kara Saletto. Kara is the Chief Retention Officer at Magnet Culture and she regularly talks about retention at conferences, She's written a book about it called Staying Power and Workforce Magazine named her a game changer. I'm super glad to have her. Hi, Kara. How are you? Hello. Doing great. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming on. I've wanted to talk about this for so long. And as I said, Uh, uh, well, in one of my intros anyways, that we use it like we justify everything thing retention. So I'm really looking forward to some of the facts here, but let's start at the very beginning. Why do people leave organizations? So the primary reason after traveling coast to coast to work with all these different companies is a lack of management effectiveness. Just putting the right people into those positions and then giving them the tools and the training and the time to be great managers. There's just a lack of effective management happening right now. And that's causing a bunch of the unnecessary employee turnover that we see today. You say it's a bad management happening right now, or you're worth something like that. Is it worse now than usual? Yes, I would say it's gotten worse primarily not because folks aren't good or can't be good managers, but because we have asked managers literally for decades to do more with less every single year. And so today I would say there's a lack of effective management, mostly because the managers are not given time to be good managers, good mentors, good at onboarding and training and cross training their team because they are just running ragged from meeting to meeting and from you know, project to project or fire to fire that they're having to put out. And so today we just are not giving anybody uh, at all levels of leadership, we're not giving them the time to be successful supervisors and leaders of others. Okay, I know we're going to do another episode about that. So I'm going to, I'm not going to delve into this too much right now. How can we get employees to stay? Yeah, so there's not a silver bullet answer for that, but the overarching theme is to listen to your people and create a place where people want to work. So just because that's the way we've always scheduled people, or just because that's been the way we've offered our pay and benefits, or that's the way we communicate with people or onboard people, The way it's always been done in many cases has not kept up with the evolution of today's new workforce and how things have evolved over time. So you've got some companies who are onboarding like champs. I mean, they have fun, engaging, really effective, long onboarding timeframes, not a couple days or a couple, even a couple of weeks, but they have onboarding checklists that go for months to really make sure those new hires are acclimated. They are listening to their people to find out how do people want to be appreciated. One size no longer fits all. 
So companies have gotten away from the blanket policies and the blanket retention initiatives and really focused in on, um, they call it now the platinum rule instead of the golden rule, treat others the way you want to be treated. Now it's called the platinum rule, treat others the way they want to be treated, which might not be the way you want to be treated as far as communication, appreciation, value, scheduling, all of those things. So yeah, it's, it's kind of a plethora of a lot of different different things that we have to do to keep people from walking away. Yeah, I would think that most employers would think, I am listening to my employees. I, you know, I get a good paycheck and I am giving them a good experience. And how would you respond to that? You're cringing. <laughs> I'm cringing a little bit <laughs> because uh, there are great managers out there. And yes, some of you listening, that is you. That is your team of managers across your company. And kudos to you. That's great. Um, but most managers, as I said earlier, don't have the time to be the great manager that they know how to be. So I'm seeing effective communication just go to the back burner. One example I can give is of what I call drive-by check-ins, which is where check in with people as you're headed to a meeting or another event you have to deal with. You go, hey, how's it going? Oh, good, great. Well, hey, holler at me. <laughs> and then that some managers think, well, I checked in with them. But that's not a real genuine check-in. And uh, chances are the person that you just did that drive-by with is not going to come talk to you if they have a real concern or issue. They think you're too busy for them. They don't want to bother you. And they will probably just quit instead of ever even truly addressing the issue because they don't think anyone has time for them. So when we talk about listening, it requires genuine slow down check-ins with people one-on-one. -on -one. Doesn't have to be an hour. But it cannot be just a quick drive-by of, of trying to check in with those folks. So some turnover, we need it. Uh, you know, there's people who become a bad fit, people who, you know, the organization direction changes and that in some individuals don't have the right skill set anymore. We need some turnover. What should our objective be? You're exactly right that some turnover is good especially if it's folks who are not staying in line with the mission and the, the focus or initiatives moving forward if we're going to evolve for our customers or evolve for the workforce and that type of thing. Of course, we're going to have retirements and we're going to have to outgrow the positions. You know, there's other reasons that, that turnover is not always bad. In fact, we teach about the revolving door, right, that we're seeing more of a revolving door and I don't ever claim with my clients that we will stop the revolving door because that's not a good thing. You do need change and uh, different different eyes, different lenses in those positions over time. So what you want to focus on is slowing down the revolving door. The lower the wages, the faster someone can find a replacement job. So that is why we tend to see lower paid positions have a faster revolving door of the 30, 60, 90 day turnover is pretty horrific for the lower wage hourly workers versus more skilled and, and higher education level positions like let's say an engineer, 
you're not going to see engineers change jobs every three to six months. Um, A, because it's harder to get an engineering job, right? They can't find that fast of a replacement job. And also, it's just a higher letter level of subject matter expertise, and it's a higher pay. So they can't just walk out the door and say, well, I quit on a Tuesday afternoon because they probably need their salary coming in the next month. So we do have to, I would say one of the keys right now is we've got to recalibrate our expectations of turnover and especially of that average length of tenure. Because if you think anybody's going to come in and stay five years or 10 years or more, that's that's not a realistic expectation in most positions because we don't offer pensions anymore. And most companies are offering a 3% on average pay increase, which is not a raise. That's a cost of living adjustment. So if somebody stays in their position for even five years, they could potentially be making less money than as fast as inflation is moving. Wow, that is an like raises such a challenge for HR, like mom people step up to the plate on your compensation policy. I did talk to somebody a while back about compensation. And that's what he said, that you've got to be careful about overpaying, you know, people off the street relative to your people inside that internal equity. So I have worked at places where they're constantly looking to let people go. They're like, this person's not a fit and this person's not a fit. And you know, sometimes it's in the first 90 days and sometimes it's, you know, a year down the road and they just get mad and they want to let them go. I know that's a little hard to believe, but it happens. So I want you to tell us and remind us about the cost of turnover, the real cost. Yeah. So there's all kinds of statistics out there of, you know, one and a half times their salary or whatever the four years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it really depends on the size of the company you know, how many folks can fill in for that missing person when they leave? Or is it truly a vacant hole during the time if it's a key person that leaves? It's certainly based on their level and how quickly we can get that position replaced with that level of expertise. What does the learning curve look like to get that person up to full productivity? And then did we lose any business or quality or other factors while they were gone? So if our if it's manufacturing and our line is overstretched, um, you know, we've got a bunch of newbies on the line that don't know what they're doing because we can't keep anybody, you're going to have more quality issues. And that's going to come back to haunt you on the financial side and the trust side with your customers. So there could be those types of issues. If it is a higher level position project management, then that may slow down the project. If it's sales, that could mean less sales for that next quarter while you get someone else hired and up to date. Um, even more than a quarter could be a year or, or so if it takes a long time to onboard those folks. So there's not one magic formula regarding, uh, regarding the turnover costs. What we have found when we calculated it with our clients is that for a lot of our lower wage frontline workers, we're looking at at least $5,000 in not just the recruiting and training onboarding costs, but some of those missed expectations of revenue or the increased problems we had on the operational side or mistakes, rework, those types of things. 
And then for, you know, mid-level management or mid-level professional type roles, we can easily find $15,000, dollars $25,000 in those unnecessary costs to try to replace that person. And if you've got to get, if it's executive level, you've got to get recruiters involved, interim folks involved. I mean, that can be $50,000, $100,000 or more. So there are very real dollars here. Now, if somebody just doesn't show up on day two, that's not costing you $5,000. You know, it's very costly that you probably did the background checks and the drug screening and and things like that if you have those roles in place. So it's still costly, but um, we created a cost of turnover worksheet that includes not only the training costs and the recruiting costs and things like that, but we tried to calculate in that learning curve. You know, we have a calculation of how long does it take for them to get fully productive in their role? And then we only count about half of those hours within the learning curve as, you know, half of those hours are a cost of turnover because you had to get somebody trained and up to full productivity during that time. So those are those are other real cost of turnover that are tangible dollars to the bottom line. Yeah, for sure. So well, let's say you're an organization struggling with uh, lots of turnover. What are some concrete actions, steps, strategies that we could take to slow it down, as you say? Sure. So one is make sure that your executives go on a listening tour <laughs> once a year, if not once a quarter, have them pop out into the front line, right? Don't I don't care which industry you're in, what profession it is, but have your executives and even, you know, different levels of management go out and just listen to their people. Do you have any challenges with our schedule here, with our expectations here, with our workload here? And just listen, not defend, but just listen. So and that's mm -hmm. one thing is is make sure both your HR team and your senior leaders are are doing listening tours, not just behind a survey tool. Um, another is communicate your expectations because the workforce today does not know how it's always been done and they cannot read your mind. I don't care if they have a degree or not, they still do not have the same definition, for example, of professionalism that you have because professionalism is subjective. Now, I happen to have purple hair <laughs> on my left side here, and some people would say, oh, that's totally unprofessional. We're not going to hire her. Where other people would say, Psh, I don't care about purple hair. Hair is great. I would hire her in a heartbeat, but she better be on time <laughs> because... Really? Punctuality matters to that person. So we have things that we we care about and we don't care so much about and that matter within our company culture and some things that don't matter as much within that particular company culture. And so we have to set those expectations clearly. Okay, so some companies have that one person who has all of these skills we need and we really need to keep them. How do you handle the differences in the relative importance of turnover. I, I hear what you're saying that some people's skill set is more critical yes. for the success. Yeah. But I 
I do think that we need to think of every person as contributing value in their own way. And so, again, if we go back to the one size no longer fits all, we should be working to keep each of those talented people and talented pools and different levels of workers in different ways. And when you go out and listen to people, you will clearly, it will be clear as day what certain people want while other people don't want that, like appreciation. I don't recommend blanket appreciation approaches. You need to know how your team wants appreciation person by person. Some people like public recognition. Some people want private, at a girl, at a boy type of communication. Some people would much rather have it handwritten. They get very uncomfortable when someone comes face to face to them to compliment them. They don't handle it well and they still want to be appreciated but they'd rather it be in a note or an email or in, in some kind of gift or recognition mm-hmm. in that way. So we just really want to make sure that we are still valuing every person and adjusting our leadership approach and our communication and appreciation. We have to, to shift that for different people. Now, if you're going to put a little extra effort into your high potential, high performing people. I can understand that, that you would want to make sure to check in with them a little bit more often of how's it going and is there any support that you need from me? Anything frustrating I can help you get through? You know, if you're going to check in and support your team, maybe you check in a little more with the people that you really can't afford to lose their talent. Uh Um, But most of the groups that I'm working with right now, they can't afford to lose any, any of the talent Unless it's a negative person that is costing them people and some companies try to hold on to that person because of their talent and they don't realize they are corrupting the culture and they say, oh, but, you know, she shows up on time. She's worked here 20 years. We can't imagine not having her expertise here. But if she is the reason that a lot of the new hires quit because she's negative or she's rude or she's not easy to work with or whatever it is, then I've seen a lot of organizations realize they actually cannot keep that talent on their team. If they can't coach that person to a better attitude and better behavior, they have to separate from that person. Okay, so HR people use retention and we'll put it into presentation after presentation like i said bit of a pet peeve what is one myth about retention or one way that we're using it too freely oh so um i hate it oh it's such a pet peeve of mine what Uh, people say they'll go anywhere for a buck more an hour right Oh, they use the they use the pay as the cop out for creating a better place to work. And I can't tell you how many leaders I've heard that say, you know, they'll go anywhere for a buck more an hour or whatever that number is that they want to throw into that sentence. And then when we've gone in to talk to the employees about why do you consider leaving here? Or why did you leave your last job in this profession to come here? You know, what are the real issues within that profession? For example, uh, one of my clients is a ready-mix concrete group. 
they have the spinny trucks that they drive. Yeah, yeah. They're losing all kinds of drivers. When I asked the managers, why do people quit? They all said they just want to buck more an hour or it's scheduling problems. Like that's the only reason people quit this company. And when I went to check with the truck drivers themselves, they said, there's no communication with us out in the field. We're the last ones to know everything. There's no staff meetings for us because we come get our truck and we leave. And the dispatcher is our only line back to the home office. And so the dispatcher, we actually learned the dispatcher is the company culture. So if that dispatcher, uh, one guy said, I'd prefer to be called by my name, not my truck number, thank you very much. Because the dispatcher didn't even take the time to learn people's names. She would just call them by their truck number. Hey, 42, where are you at? <laughs> you know, and that was the culture that, that that particular driver experienced. So they said, you know, it wasn't good enough staff communication and staff meetings and updates about information from the company. Um, some of them say that those bosses or, or that dispatcher in that particular instance are degrading. They play favorites. You know, they say those kind of things are issues. Uh, lack of appreciation. They brought up old, outdated equipment was a problem for them that their trucks don't quite operate right, or maybe something that equipment they've been given is kind of part broken, or maybe it just churns a lot because it's really slow and outdated and they need their software to move faster. Um, those types of things, you know, it, it was just over and over. And they said another one was, they said the truck you get as a rookie is a joke because they get the leftovers as a new hire. Yeah. And luckily, most organizations that I that I work with, they've gotten away from that seniority approach of giving the new hires the leftovers. But I still see it sometimes with maybe um, for 24-7, 365 organizations, how do they pick the holidays that they work? Well, the new hires get the leftovers, the shift scheduling, you know, do senior people get first preference on shifts? And we have found in all of our work that the new hires are your greatest flight risk right now. So any new hires that you hire, they have the greatest flight risk of leaving uh, because they don't have deep roots in the organization yet. They don't have any golden handcuffs to stay um, that other more veteran folks on your team might have. So it's it's really important that we make sure that the new hires are not getting the grunt work or the crap shift or the crap equipment or, you know, pardon my language, but that's the way they explain Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. No, I... They're getting the, those leftovers and crumbs. So, yeah. So to answer that question, the the myth is just, oh, they'll go anywhere for a buck more an hour. Yes, pay is important today and people will leave for more money if it's a fairly significant uh, amount. But study after study after study shows that people will stay if they're happy, even if they are offered a buck more somewhere else that they're much more likely to stay if they feel valued, appreciated, and and have the tools and the resources and the training that they need to be successful in that job. Well, thanks, Kara. I have seen so much of what you described happen in some of the workplaces I've worked for. And also this 
It was an amazing episode for weaving in the content of so many other episodes have done. But we have reached the end of this episode. Thanks for listening out there. We'll catch you next time when I talk with another insightful guest.